Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Hurdles, where I, your host, Ollie Burke, bring in brilliant guests from across the globe to discuss the physical, mental and emotional hurdles successful people have to overcome to achieve greatness. I shall question and delve into their mindset which allowed them to achieve, giving you motivation. We will be guided through their career paths and what led them to the top, allowing you to relate. Today we speak to a star. We speak to the highly motivating Connaught Centre, Tom Daly. Did well, 12 games, most of them off the bench, but I was still quite happy with how I was going. And then the following season, I would have targeted to be my breakthrough year, maybe start a few more games or become more of a regular in the team. But on the first, the first pre-season game in France, I tore my ACL, which put me out for the whole year. Tom started his career at Leinster before a career-threatening injury put his future in jeopardy. He now showcases his skills at Connaught and recent performances saw him called up to the Ireland squad for the summer test against Japan and the USA. There are some brilliant takeaways in this episode, but the one I love the most is Tom's ability to focus on day-by-day tasks, which allows him to reach his end goals while blocking out all unnecessary noise. Just before we get into the episode, next week we have some very exciting news. When the next guest is revealed, I'm allowing you, the listeners from across the world, to have your say on the pod. If you leave a five-star review with a question, I shall pick three of the best questions to be used in the podcast, along with a shout-out. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's get into today's episode. Enjoying your, enjoying your time off. Yeah, I'm actually in uh, London at the minute. My girlfriend lives over here, so I'm going to spend a couple of weeks over here while we're off. And then... Um... We're going to Spain in a couple of weeks as well. So um nice now that the world is opening up a little bit. I can actually travel a bit. So yeah. I haven't been over here. I hadn't been over here yet. Um she's been living here a year and this is my first time first time here. So she was getting a bit annoyed at me that I couldn't travel, but um it's all good now. Yeah, long distance must be tough tough during COVID. Yeah, man, it was it was weird. Um but in even in Ireland I was li- I'm living in Galway now, obviously, and she would have been based in Dublin. So and it was so strict with the IRFU had like such strict protocols on like uh, travel even within Ireland and stuff. So it would have would have been uh it obviously would have been easier if she was in Ireland, but like it wouldn't have been that much different if you get me. So um yeah. it's probably a good year for her to move away. Um because there wasn't much going on anyway. Tom, I asked this to all of my all of my guests that come on hurdles. What is greatness in your eyes? What defines greatness for you? Uh she's a tough one to start with. Um yeah. Greatness for me, probably uh, being, uh, I think for rugby anyway, being consistent in my performances and maybe playing to the best of my ability every week. And I know that's never going to happen. You're never going to be a 10 out of 10 game every week. But uh, I think if I could play maybe that 8, 9, 10 out of 10 every week and put in a performance that I feel is quite quite close to the best of my ability every week, that would um, put me pretty close to, to being greatness in my own eyes. Um, I know speaking with different coaches and stuff, that's a big thing that that they would say that the difference between great players maybe and the very good players is great players rarely have an off day, whereas um, the average rugby player might play really well one day and, and maybe not as good the next day. So um, that's something I'd always strive towards is uh, putting in performances that I'm proud of every week and probably this year in particular is the first time in my career that I've had a chance to play week in, week out, every game. And and I think I put in quite a few performances that I myself is proud of. And that's probably what's led me to 
maybe taking that next step into an Irish international squad um, over the last few weeks. No, definitely. You've got to strive for that consistency and that's what you that's what you train so hard to, to achieve. So rugby in your early days, what was it like? Did you take to rugby straight away as a, as a young child? Uh, probably not straight away, no. I would have played... Um, it's obviously different over here. We have different sports. We have Gaelic football. I'm sure you would have heard of it. That's probably what I played mostly um, through my youth and even up to, through my secondary school up to... 16, 17 years old, I would have been um, a pretty decent Gaelic footballer. I would have played for my county, which is the highest level you can go in Ireland. Um, and I obviously would have played rugby as well at that time. But probably up until 15, 16, um, Gaelic was number one and rugby was probably number two, along with loads of other sports like football, um, basketball, tennis. I played a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, and it was only really, it was only really when... Um, you start getting getting picked up for like Leinster representative teams at the age of like 15, 16, 17, you kind of see the system that's put in place for you that wouldn't be in, in other sports in Ireland. And um, it's around that time that you kind of realise that like rugby could become a, a profession. Um, and it was at that stage that I kind of focused in on rugby. But as, when I was very young, I would have played everything, would have tried everything. And I think that's definitely standard to me um, in my rugby career. Yeah, yeah that's the best way to do it. So then you got picked up by Leinster. What was it like playing for Leinster, even at youth level, with such a like they've got such great history and facilities and one of the top teams in Ireland and Europe? How was it? Ah, uh, it was it's a class, like it's a dream come true. I think um someone explained it to me recently, like playing for Leinster is probably like playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona, yeah. like they're the, the top of Europe, um the top of Europe in rugby and they're consistently in, in finals and winning winning trophies so like it's obviously a dream come true when, when you start um, start getting to wear that jersey and obviously it's a little bit different uh, underage teams it's not, it's not the same it's not the same but at the time you think it's the be all and end all and I was lucky enough to play for all the all the representative teams in Leinster 18s 19s 20s and they're 18 and finally into their professional team but um, yeah like the pathway in Leinster is it's like it's it's fully professional it's like nothing I would ever have seen before even when you're like an 18 year 19 year old you're getting proper coaching professional setup nutritionists everything is put in place for you and that's probably why they've been so successful they um their motto across the provinces from the ground up and they work really hard at uh preparing the young young talented players for professional rugby and you can see that in their academy, it's just every year is the new players coming through. And um, even if you look across the other provinces in Ireland, it's scattered without true with players from Leinster who've come through the Leinster Academy who maybe they're surplus in Leinster, but they go to a different province and, and excel. And that's probably kind of what happened to me. And I was lucky to get that move to Connacht at, at an important time. And it's just um, shows that the amount of talent coming through that province is insane. And team benefit from the lads moving from there yeah definitely you can tell every year as you say there's some some top top talents but as a 16 17 18 year old and you've got a nutritionist you've got two physios yeah you're training with the seniors did that put a certain pressure on you to to succeed uh definitely yeah i think um i think probably coming through the underage systems like you said there i was playing with irish under 18s irish under 19s irish under 20s and i was doing quite well and then you step into the Leinster Academy and there's probably a, you, you have a little bit of a reputation. Some of the senior lads will have watched you playing under 20s and they will have um, 
they will um, be expecting you to jump straight into the senior team seamlessly. And uh, there obviously is that little bit of added pressure. And in Leinster in particular, there's lads behind you, there's lads in front of you that, that you know, if you slip up, they're going to take your place. And um, it's just you're constantly on edge and you constantly have to perform um, to the best of your ability. And as a, as a young, young, young lad, that was obviously very difficult. And to be honest, for me, that wasn't the case. I didn't jump straight into that into the senior team. It took me uh, to spend three years in the academy, and I hadn't got a a chance with the senior team through them three years. I was playing my trade with my club, Lansdowne, in, in, in the All Ireland League, which is probably the equivalent to Nat One in England. Yeah. Um. So I spent lots of my time playing there. I played with the Irish Sevens team, which was really good too. And um. Yeah, like some, you see some lads in Leinster, they come straight from school, they go straight into the senior team, but that wasn't the case for me. And at the time, uh, it was probably difficult because I was living with lads who who took that route, who skyrocketed into the into the senior team. I was living with Josh Vanderfleer. He's a flanker. I'm not sure if you know him, but uh, yeah, yeah. he's like, uh, he went straight in, did a year in the academy and was then straight into the senior team. So I was watching him every week, getting ready to go up to play for Leinster while I might be might have been going down to my club, training on the Thursday night and playing in the All-Ireland League, which is obviously a good standard, but not what you want to be doing when your best friend and someone your age is playing for the senior team. So that was obviously tough, but you kind of just have to keep your eye on... Uh, you, you have goals yourself. I'm sure every everyone that comes on your podcast probably tells you they have goals. And yeah. my goal was always to play professional rugby, whether that be for Leinster or for Connacht or for Ireland or whoever. But um, it just took me that little bit longer to break through. And it was difficult, but once you have goals and once you... Once you can see yourself achieving them small goals, I suppose it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. And you've uh, you've persevered and obviously achieved that goal. So in terms of early success, you were playing age group for Ireland, which is obviously a, a great achievement in itself. Did your success early doors ever distract you or did it motivate you further? Uh, no, it definitely motivated me further. Um, I think... I think in particular that year when you're under 20s, you have that Junior World Cup, you have the Six Nations that goes in line with the Senior Six Nations and it kind of just whets your appetite for what what, what could come in the future. And um, no, I wouldn't say it ever distracted me. It was always kind of a driver and you can you just get a taste of, of what professional sport could be like. And of course, there's like sacrifices and distractions. You're missing parties, you're missing nights out with your friends, you're probably... Uh, all these different things that you have to give up to, to become that. But um, it's obviously difficult at the time, but I think you can see the greater picture that if, if, if it just, if this does work out, it's going to be a lot better than a few nights out when you're 18. I think being a professional sports person is, is probably a lot better than that. Yeah, hundred percent. That leads perfectly to my next question. I was going to ask uh, in the Leinster Academy, you're obviously the, you're the Barcelona and you're the, the Real Madrid and you've got all that pressure on you. Did that take a knock at all on, you mentioned their social life, but schoolwork at all? Um, it obviously makes the schoolwork harder. I'll, I'm 27 now and I'm still trying to complete my degree, so I've spread it out over a, over a pretty long period of time. But in fairness to Irish Rugby and the Players Association here, they um, put a big emphasis on, on rugby players pursuing something for after rugby and whether that's college or whether that's starting a business or something different um, they're really supportive of it and all the provinces and head coaches and, and CEOs and stuff would be really really helpful towards you pursuing your life after rugby because it's a short career and 
there's probably a misconception in in that rugby players are really 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 rich and are sorted for life after rugby, which isn't the case. Maybe in the small five percent of of players who earn crazy money, that that could be the case. But for the majority of rugby players, you earn a, you earn a good living, but it's not going to last you forever. So it is important to um, look after that. But uh, obviously, it's a little bit more difficult when you have that pressure of rugby. But I think even the colleges in Ireland in particular UCD in Dublin where I where I was studying um were very helpful and accom- accommodating towards sports people so um I think when you have that um accommodation from the university and help from the IRFU I think it's it makes it a little bit easier obviously yeah it is tough but it can be done and loads of rugby players have gone on to get degrees and more will more will go ahead and get them so um it definitely can be done and it's definitely a challenge but I think if you put your mind to it it can be done no, definitely. It's always it's always good to have that that backup plan because you never know if you're going to make it in the first place, let alone what you're going to do afterwards. But exactly. for you personally, did you you've obviously got to to back your own ability? But did you always think you were going to be were you good enough to make the Pro 14 level? Did you always think you were going to be able to make it? Um, I probably should say, should say yes, but there definitely was a point in my career. Um, it was in 2018. I, um, 2017, 2018, I broke into the Leinster team, got my first cap, went on to play 12, 11 or 12 games that year, which is quite a few for someone who's, it's their first year playing senior rugby in Leinster in particular because they rotate the team so much, there's so much talent. It's not like, if I compare it to Connacht, Connacht kind of play a similar team every week, a similar 23, whereas in Leinster, they could have a completely new 23 each week because there's just so much players in, in the club. So I was happy with that year, did well, 12 games, most of them off the bench, but I was still quite happy with how I was going. And then the following season, I would have targeted to be my breakthrough year, maybe start a few more games or become more of a regular in the team. But on the first the first preseason game in France, I tore my ACL, which put me out for the whole year, which was obviously uh, very tough to take. And um Obviously not great timing at the very start of the year, which just meant I missed every game of the year. And um, during that year, a couple of young centres came through under me who wouldn't have played if I was fit. But because I was injured, they got their chance and they actually played really, really well. And they established themselves in the team and um, they played in big games and stuff that I would have loved to have played in. And I was sitting in the stand watching and it's obviously tough to watch. But uh, then that following year came around, Leinster renewed my contract, but... um, uh, for the following season, but I didn't play much at all and um, wasn't getting into team. The young guys behind me were playing playing much more regularly than me, and um, I started to look elsewhere for clubs. And because I hadn't played in so long, there was nothing really coming up. And I just remember them few months being really, really tough because I thought my professional career was over. Um, I was like, I was looking at even going to that American league, which no offense, like it's a great. It looked like a class over there, and it looked like a great league, but like. If you're going there, you're not probably not going to get back into professional rugby over in Europe. So, um, I yeah, that was like kind of the only option popping up at the time, just because I hadn't played so had played so little in in about eighteen months. And uh, the other there was one other option was to go back to the Irish Sevens. They were really keen to get me back, but I just I was just like at this stage, maybe I'm better just finishing my degree and and uh, go, going into the working world because. Um, you can only prolong that for so long, but randomly one day, then I just got a, a phone call from Andy Friend, who was the Connacht head coach, who had uh, 
who they had had a few injuries in the backs and he had spoken to the RFU about a potential move for a player and he actually coached sevens in Australia. So um, he spoke to the sevens coach about me who spoke obviously highly about me and Friendy um, just gave me a call and said, listen, would you be keen on coming down on loan? So um, that was the start of it. Then I went on loan and um, kicked on from there. But that was a very long answer to your question. But that period just before Andy Friend rang me when, it, when there wasn't much popping up was probably... Uh, a moment where I doubted my, maybe not doubted my ability, but doubted that I would ever make make the level that I thought I should have made. Yeah, that's a that's a tough couple of years. I've uh, yeah. I've torn my ACL as well, and I know exactly how it is. It's a it's a horrible period where, well, they often say men, it's worse mentally than physically because it's such a, a long time out that you've just yeah. it ruins you mentally. But how did how did you get on with it? How was the experience for you? Um. No, it was it was tough, as you said. It's very tough mentally, and I think the toughest part is the first few weeks when you know you just have so long to go. Um, you know it's going to be a nine month injury. You know, um, you're going to be doing in this gym for the next six months doing the exact same stuff uh, while everyone else is out training and playing games. But um, in fairness to my physio Dermot Brennan, he was uh, we had a really good relationship, and he said we kind of sat down at the start. We said like bigger goals that maybe in four months time we'll get out onto the pitch and start running in six months time you'll start changing direction in seven months time you can start training with the team and then within them big goals we had smaller goals every week with like strength targets or um jump height targets and stuff like this that um we could take off and every time you take off a goal it's a it's a small win in a big in a big picture but um I think that definitely helped and just the fact I had a really good relationship with my physio. Um, I was living with two of my best mates who were really good to me at the time. And um, yeah, like, listen, it was, like, it was really tough mentally, but I didn't really have any setbacks physically throughout the rehab. And it was a pretty clean process from start to finish. Um, I got back a month early, which was obviously very good. But um, yeah, like it was challenging, but we got there in the end. And luckily I haven't had an injury since, so touch wood, it continues that way. <laughs> Yeah, I wish you the best on that front. It must be really tough seeing people take your spot and you're sat in the gym, you're seeing people out on the pitch. Did you ever think if I hadn't had this injury, that could have been me? And did you let that really get to you or did you just try and block it out and, as you say, focus on it? it definitely. Like I think as hard as you try to, to get that out and to keep that out of your mind it's always going to come back in because you know that if you were fit you would have been playing that game or you would have played the first few anyway and if you did well you would have kept your position so um yeah it's obviously tough and you want to be happy for these guys because they're your mates you're training with them you're in the changing with them room with them every day but at the same time you're obviously um you're obviously jealous and you know that that's your position so um i think it's tough too but you kind of have to try get it out of your mind and and just think that when you get back, you're going to train as hard as you can and get yourself back in the best condition possible just to give yourself best chance to get that jersey back. And you just have to believe in your own ability that you are good enough to, to get that. There's no reason you, you wouldn't be there if you weren't good enough. And I think that's something that, that's important to believe for any young rugby player. Um, you're in the team because you're good enough and, and it's up to you just to show your ability on the pitch then. So, um, yeah, that was probably what I what I tried to focus on. It obviously came into my mind a lot that that should have been me or, you know, bad thoughts that you don't want in your mind, but you, you do have to try your best to keep them out and just focus on 
what you can control and what I could control at that time was getting back fit and getting my body into the best possible shape it could be and just controlling that that would put me in the best position to to train when I got back definitely so is that mindset one that you use in general not just for the injury control what you can control focus on the end goal and see what comes of it yeah definitely um that would be a big one what I'd focus on is just not worrying about what's happening around me just control what I can control whether that's on the pitch or whether that's training during the week um I try to try to know my job inside out and what the team want me to do and I know if I deliver that to the best of my ability that will give me what I was talking about earlier that consistency of performance so um yeah what I've got pretty pretty I've worked on it pretty hard this year is um setting out my I set out goals at the start of every week of what I want to achieve in training so whether that be that probably comes from the match the weekend before so say I missed the tackle in the match the week before I'll I'll have a I'll do a, a bit of extra tackling maybe Tuesday after the training and then that'll take off in my mind that I've I've done that and then leading into the game on on Saturday that will just give me confidence that I've covered that what I made a mistake last Saturday I've covered that in training this week so I should be all good to go this Saturday so we um it's something we do quite well in Connacht we kind of have a weekly weekly um kind of planner sort of sheet sort of thing where you tick off what you want to do in that week and and once you tick them off that should help your mindset going into the game that you're ready to go that's a great thing I've never thought of of doing something like that when you make the mistake work and work on that and then you you feel 100% going into the game it's actually yeah it's actually quite a good thing we have a, a performance skills coach it's the first year kind of had one and he came in and he kind of brought in this journal that that he designed and it's kind of you kind of have three different little targets for each week and that like that's what I do personally is I'd look at my game the week before and if there's anything I wanted to tweak I'd work on them for that week but other lads might be like for the fly house maybe theirs might just be kicking kicking goals and kicking from hands like it, it, it's kind of personal but the way I did it was I'd look through my my game the day after the game and kind of see what I think I could have done better, probably target them for that week. And then that gives me confidence going into next week. So I think it's, um, it's probably, it's worked for me. So I think a lot of this stuff is personal as well. Like what, what works for you won't work for everyone else. So um, just find what works for you and, and work on it that way, maybe. No, great, great shout. You can tell us definitely uh, working with your, with your recent performances and, and getting into the Ireland setup, as you said. So you've openly come out and said that you think all players that aren't getting necessary game time should should move clubs to to play often. Was moving to Connaught the best thing that happened just to showcase your skills? And do you think all rugby players should do so? Yeah, like for me personally, it's just been, it's resurrected my career. Like I told you the story earlier, it's uh, the career of my, my uh, rugby career could have been over. I was kind of, lost for a club and and Connacht came luckily Connacht um, came looking for me it was great that was another Irish province and I could stay within the system because if it wasn't I wouldn't have got a chance to to go into the Irish training camp this year but um yeah it's uh like <laughs> that that quote kind of got blown up and um I don't know what way I, I kind of just slipped out maybe but obviously uh, like if you're in Leinster and you have a chance of making it I, like obviously stay there and play and, and wait your chance to get your chance because it probably does take a little bit longer to get there but saying that there's probably players three, four, five 
six players deep in some positions in Leinster who are definitely good enough to start for other teams, whether that's an Irish province or a team in the Premiership in England or in France or Italy or wherever. But um, I just think there comes a stage in your career when the only improve, like the best way to improve is a rugby player is playing games. And I just think you can't sit around forever because your career is so short. I think it's, you'd be mad not to, not to look elsewhere just to get game time. And especially at a young age, you can see when uh, young players get consistent game time, how much they they improve. So that was kind of my point that um, the only way you're really going to improve as a rugby player is is by playing playing games at the top level. And uh, when I was in Leinster, I kind of was happy. I was there, and it was class to be there. But I was kind of a training player. I wasn't playing that often. I was training against the first team most weeks. Whereas now I'm in Connacht and playing every week, which has just brought me on leaps and bounds. And I've I've got into Irish squads ahead of some of the players that were ahead of me in, in Leinster and Munster just because of, of my consistent game time and my chance to show coaches what I can do. So I just think, uh, yeah, like if you, if there's a club that, that really wants you and they're, they're saying you're, you're going to play, I think you'd be mad to sit somewhere else and be third or fourth choice and not playing. So. Yeah, I'd have to 100% agree with you. It almost seems like a, a no-brainer decision when you can be offered to be star man somewhere or noteworthy player in comparison to... Yeah, not being viewed by anyone. Do yeah. you ever think it's, it's obviously hard to leave your home province and particularly in Lancer, it's such a big club. You come from the place, you have dreams of playing playing for them, but uh then you have to just look at the bigger picture and like if you want to play for your national team or you want to get that exposure, it's sometimes it has to you have to leave. So I know it's obviously a hard thing to leave your home province, but uh it, it seems to have worked out for a lot of players in Ireland and for, and I'm sure it happens in England as well. Yeah. Do you ever think, what if? What if you didn't get that call from Connacht where you'd be today? No, nah, not not really. Just maybe on on a chat like this when we talk about it that I could have been going into the working world. But since Connacht, since I moved to Connacht that first day, I was thrown straight into into big games and haven't really had time to look back. And it's all been on a on a on an upward curve. So, um, not really. No, um, I'm lucky enough to be playing most weeks and I've stayed injury-free, so things have been going really well. So I don't think there's any, any benefit in, in looking back. So um, hopefully it continues that way. Yeah, certainly. You played brilliantly for Connaught uh, last season and this season and become a real talisman. You've also had the great honour of, of captaining the side. How do you find that captaincy? You've obviously had the experience of captaining Ireland Sevens, which as well is a great honour, but what is it like captaining Pro 14 sides? Um, no, it was it was a massive honour and it was probably a surprise because I'm only here two two years, so there's lads who have been here a lot longer and have played a lot more games for Connors than me that were in that squad. So it was obviously a massive honour that that Andy Friend gave me the call and asked me asked me to do it. And it's obviously very different captaining a Pro 14 side to the captain of seventh team. The seventh team was was very relaxed. There's only ten lads in the squad. It's quite easy. You're really good mates. You get to know each other really well. Um, whereas captaining probably in a in a big big interpro against Munster, which is a massive picture for Connacht because their rivals are um, provincial two provinces, it's always a big it's always a big game. So um, no, it was a massive honour, and uh, I think I probably would have been a lot a, a pretty nervous to do it. But Brendy just said to me on the phone, he's like, "Listen, you lead by example on the pitch. The way you're playing this year, you deserve it. So just keep doing what you're doing on the pitch, and don't worry about anything else." And I mean, that's kind of what I what I did, and I was surrounded by experienced people in, in the team, so they kind of helped with the 
with the role and it was actually quite like it was really really enjoyable and there was no real stress with it so um if it came back up in the future i'd be happy to do it again but uh yeah no it was a class honor because not many people get to get to captain the province really yeah, i was going to ask that did you how did your performance uh how was your performance impacted by it because you can see some people when they captain, you see it a lot in, in football these days, they're, they're too caught up in the role and their performances take a real knock. But then you see others that really, really relish the opportunity and show that inputted faith in them. Was that you then? Did you really excel with the opportunity? I think my performance was decent that day. I don't, I don't know if I excelled, <laughs> but uh, uh, like I tried to, like you pretty much forget about it when you're playing them. Um, it's just them um, stoppages. And obviously in rugby, there's a lot of talking with the referee through the captain and I, I, I just didn't did tried not to make a big deal out of it. I tried to just like play my game and then let that worry about itself. And as I said, there was lads around me who were helping me helping me make the decisions whether that's going for three points or going for a scrum or whatever it was. Um, but uh, no, I don't I, I don't think it impacted my performance at all. And um, yeah, like I said, it was it was it's it's a great honor and it's and it's lovely. But I don't think it's I don't think. Well, luckily for me, there wasn't many massive decisions I had to make on that day, so it didn't really. Um, I think anyone could have, anyone could have done it, done the job I did on the pitch. But obviously, the honour was class to get, and hopefully, it comes again. Yeah. So one experience that that I've seen as a as an outsider, which I want to talk about, was making history with Connor beating Leinster after 19 years away. Um, you scored the bonus try off the back of an intercept. How did that feel? Because you must have had so many emotions running through you then because it must have been strange playing friends and ex-teammates and playing your former team. But to beat them, to score the bonus point try and, and create history must have been must have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was unreal to be fair. And um, I think even like looking back on it after the game or over the last few months, like I sometimes just go back and watch it and it's just like it's class, it's class like just to watch it and just hear the commentary and stuff because they kind of made a bigger deal than I did myself of it but, uh, <laughs> no it was unreal and just that whole game we kind of it, it, it was like right in the middle of COVID and our team like we had a few cases to big players they they dropped out the team was named on the Monday a couple of big players dropped out then a, a couple of days later we had a few more close contacts so it was a real disjointed week for Connacht and we could barely put a team together because we had so many lads missing through, I think there was like eight or nine lads missing through COVID and our captain a few of the bigger players in the team were missing and um, our team like we named the team I think three times that week we named it on the Monday it had to be changed because of COVID yeah. we named it again and then the close contacts were notified they had to be pulled out and we had to name it again there was a lot of young lads playing a lot of I think a couple of lads got their first caps in that game and we kind of just went in with the mindset of like no one expects us to win win this game, but if if the twenty three lads in this circle believe we can win the game, we can win the game. And um, we went down, and just from minute one, like we were all over them. We went in with a mindset of just attacking Leinster, like um, a lot of teams pay, go to the RDS where Leinster play and pay them maybe too much respect, and they're already beaten before they go out on the pitch. And we just went went in with a mindset of just attacking them in it in defence and attack. And I think at half time we were like. 18, 19 points up and it was, I guess, it, it felt easy out there and um, yeah, obviously that intercept came towards the end of the game and it was just like, I ran it in, dived in and like my whole team just like jumped on top of me. Yeah, big, big the it, was, it, was, it was pretty class and it's just like, I just, as I said there, it's like nice looking back on it because like obviously um, 
a bit of crack playing against your mates and there was a bit of crack throughout that game but uh um it's just nice to get one up on Leinster because not many teams do and any any most teams that play Leinster lose and um yeah it was just it was a class class moment for me personally a class game for me personally but also just for the club because it's not often can't go down to down to Dublin and win and and as I said, like it was such a disjointed week, it just kind of made it that 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 little bit better. Yeah. How was this season for you? Because this has been probably, if you'd agree, the, your best season of of rugby, getting into the Ireland setup. How disjointing was it doing this during COVID? You've clearly been one of the players that have have taken to it quite well considering the year you've had, but it must have been very strange. Yeah. Like. Um... I think like that question comes up a lot in uh, interviews and stuff, and just for me because the season was going so well, I didn't even like I haven't been thinking about it. Like no crowds and stuff. I I, I don't know any different. I don't know any different now because we're so used to not having crowds. So I'm looking forward to next season. Obviously, when they're back, it'll be class. And this year probably would have been that little bit more, little bit better if there was crowds in stadiums and noise and stuff. And like that try in, in the RDS would have been class if it was a full house. But uh, um. For me personally, I haven't really thought any different about this season. It's just been going so well for me that I, I haven't really been thinking about things outside of it. But just a bit like not seeing family and not being able to see my girlfriend for the year and she, her not being able to be at any of these games where I was playing real well and uh, stuff like that is obviously tough. But um, I know next season is going to be different when things open back up. But um, yeah, it was just it was, it was just the 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 whole thing of being in a bubble and not being able to see people and that, that, that that's kind of the sacrifices that we were making to be professional sports people and we understand we're in a privileged position that we were allowed to work right through and people are losing their jobs and stuff but uh i think it was tough for everyone that um these sort of restrictions and and travel bans and stuff like that but um for me personally it wasn't it wasn't too bad because things were going so well brilliant so you have the real privilege of playing alongside Bundiaki in the centres. It must be brilliant for you because he's not only a, a fabulous player but in t- like to play with, but in terms of playing for Ireland, he must almost be like a, a role model in a way because that's where you want to be. How is it working alongside Bundiaki? No, it's, uh, it's class. Um, as you said, he's a role model. He's playing for Ireland. He looks like he's going to play for the Lions. He's hopefully get into this best team this week. Um, but uh, no, like honestly, Bundy couldn't be he couldn't be a better better fella. Like all the last couple of weeks, he was texting me every day saying, "Are you in? Are you in?" Into the into the Irish fifteen into the team, and uh, he was gooded for me when I told him I was I wasn't going to get a chance. But um, that just shows the type of lad he is. Like he's over in South Africa with the Lions. Uh, I thought I'd be the last thing he'd be thinking about when when he's over there. But he um, definitely cared by the amount of texts I was getting from him. But uh, no, like what he's done for Connacht in general since he's come over he's become a star of Irish rugby and he's the face of Connacht rugby and he's gone on to become a lion so it's um it's definitely a privilege to work with him and as I said there he couldn't be a nicer lad he looks after looks after the young lads very well um there's a couple of young centers in Connacht who are playing for the Irish under 20s at the minute and I I meet myself and himself help them out quite a bit but he'd be a big driver in that and he describes the culture in the club because he knows what what the highest standards are from being in in Irish camps and being in um now being in British and Irish Lions tours. So um he's definitely a big driver of standards within the club and and he's a great teammate. Yeah. 
it is brilliant that camaraderie that that comes with rugby and he's he's having one of the most important weeks probably the most important week of his entire career and he's thinking of others before himself yeah no definitely that just typifies what he's like and um yeah like i couldn't believe it i was like in camp or whatever and i'm getting texts from bundy who was like a couple of hours before he played one of the warm-up games and he was texting me saying what like what's the story are you in and i was like man like you have a game in three hours of stop worrying about me go out and play your game but i think that just yeah typifies bundy and uh and um yeah like i think hopefully now we'll see him we'll see him perform at the highest highest level this weekend brilliant what would you say has been your your biggest success so far in your your career um, probably captain and Connacht to to that victory in Munster because it's not often we beat Munster and to to, to be selected as captain for us was probably um was a massive honour for me personally. Um, also getting into the into the Irish squad this summer was would have been a massive goal of mine for my from 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 my whole career. But um, I think I said. In an interview a couple of weeks ago, I said two or three years ago, I would have thought I was a million miles away from an Irish squad. I was looking for clubs, or and no one was coming. No one was no one was coming back with any any offers. So um, the fact that now I'm I'm in an Irish, I was in an Irish squad this summer, and hopefully I'll, I'll I'll perform well at the start of next season and get back in for the November series. Um, that was that's 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 a big achievement for me. But obviously, I want to go on and get capped now and being in camp is one thing but um, getting capped is really what you want to do and so I was obviously very disappointed not to not to get it this summer but I had a good chat with the coaches and they just said keep doing what you're doing and you should be back in and, and your chance will your chance will come so hopefully um, hopefully that's the case but uh, probably my biggest honour honor, or biggest achievement to date would be Captain and Connacht to, to that victory at Munster Yeah that's great so do you think that success or those successes have changed your mindset or do you think those successes came as a result of the mindset that you have uh it's probably a result of the mind of the mindset i have i think like i said there's obviously then periods in your career where you kind of you kind of doubt yourself but if you continue to have that belief that you're good enough to be here and if you as i said earlier if you can control the controllables and just look after your own performance and if I think if everyone in their team just looks after their own performances and does that to the best of your ability, the team is going to be successful. So um, that would be the way I look at it. If I look after my own bits and if I can nail my detail, nail my role in the team every week, I think that will be a small cog in helping the team be successful. And if that's the case, then honours will come your way, like international selection and stuff like that. So I just look after what I can control and hopefully that, that uh, helps the team win and I think your performances will be noted in, in due course then. Certainly, yeah. And then and then for the opposite, have you had any significant failures as such? I know people in, in sports these days don't like to, to class things as failure, more learning, learning curves, but have you had any, would you say, and, and if so, how have they impacted your life? Um, any failures? Like uh, maybe not getting capped this summer, I would have went in when I got named in the squad. I would have been quietly confident that I would have played one of the games because I know Japan are a big challenge. Japan are a great team and they challenged Ireland greatly in that game a couple of weeks ago. But then obviously the second game was against the USA and maybe 
they're obviously making strides in international rugby, but you would be expecting to win that game. And I thought maybe my performances this season would have warranted a chance to play in that game. And going into the camp, I was quietly conf- confident that I might have got caps. And then obviously when the team was named for the America game and I wasn't in it, I was I was quite disappointed. And I kind of I kind of wondered was it did I train my way out of this team over the last couple of weeks? But having spoken to the coaches and stuff, that they say that wasn't the case. They gave me reasons and gave me work-ons and stuff that they want to see. And hopefully, as I said, I can rectify that over the autumn international period. But um, if that isn't the case, then that won't be the be-all and end-all. I'll, I'll just continue to work hard and continue to perform to the best of my ability with Connacht. And um, I won't let that... I won't... I'll try not to see it as a failure. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I was very disappointed not to get it. And... Um, but yeah, as I said, I'll just I'll continue to work hard and hopefully hopefully an international cap will come my way in, in the next few months. And if it doesn't, I'll just continue continue to keep going. Yeah, but knowing you from this chat and your mindset, I I would be surprised if that hasn't motivated you further to work yeah. that extra bit harder, do that extra bit more that you can in training, so that you can then warrant that reward of of getting that cap. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the that's the best way of looking at it. And um. I think I mentioned it earlier, kind of when I was younger, getting onto them rep- representative teams, it kind of whets your appetite for for what's maybe to come. And I think just them couple of weeks I spent in, in, the, in the camp really did, really did excite me as to what the international rugby is like and the level of it and the intensity and and just want to, just seeing other lads get their first caps over the last few weeks has just made me so motivated to get back in there in November. So. I'm looking forward to my time off now, but then I'm also looking forward to getting back into preseason because I know there's only, I think there's only six rounds of Pro 14 before the squad is picked for, for November. So if I can put in six good performances um, and control the controllables in them and just put my best foot forward, hopefully that will put me in a position to be selected again. And instead of two games, only having two games in the summer, there's four games in November. So there'll be a lot more opportunity to, to, to play. So hopefully that, that will happen. Yeah, got some hard work to come. I don't think younger players quite appreciate how hard and how intense it is playing at your prestigious level. Could you just go through maybe what a week in the life is like during the season with a match? Yeah, so um, Saturday, okay, so I'll start on Saturday. We have have to play your game Saturday evening or whatever. Um, If it's at home, it's brilliant. You can go straight home to bed. If it's away, you obviously have that travel, which would be we usually charter a flight from wherever we're flying. So um, Galway is on the west coast of Ireland, which is kind of hard to get to. So sometimes we have to fly into Dublin. You'd land at maybe 11 or 12 at night after the game, and then you'd have a two, two and a half hour bus to Galway, which isn't ideal, but um, that's kind of the price you have to pay for living on the west coast. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so the travel for Connacht is a little bit harder than other teams, but um, that's just part and parcel of who we play for. And, then obviously um, you'd have Sunday off for recovery or whatever you want to do. And then we'd come in Monday and you'd do your review of the previous week's game. So that would be, you'd have a team review where the coaches would go through the performance was good or bad. They'd look at good stuff and bad stuff. And then um, you'd also have a units review, which would be backs and forwards, obviously. So um, they'd be looking at different things as well. And then uh, our weekly schedule would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, train Thursday, captains run Friday, play Saturday. So the sessions on Monday and Tuesday would be kind of quite heavy. Um, 
because you're obviously further away from the further away from the game and you'd have big gym sessions on Monday and Tuesday as well. Um along with a lot of a lot of meetings and physio and stuff like that. And then you'd have Wednesday off to recover and then you'd come in Thursday and you'd have maybe a shorter and sharper session which uh wouldn't be wouldn't be as intense as the first two days because you're getting that little bit closer to the game. So um you'd have uh maybe like a 45, 50 minute session, which would be kind of like a dress rehearsal for the game. It'd be intense but short and sharp and your gym session on Thursday would be um, lighter and more like power work and stuff, just kind of priming yourself for the game or whatever. And then Friday is a really light day. You'd come in and you just have a what we call a captain's run, which is pretty much just like a, a little team run where you run through four or five of the plays. And it's, I think it's more just to get to make sure everyone knows their roles within the plays and just to get the body moving. And then um, if we're playing away, we'll travel on the Friday and stay in a hotel and play on Saturday. Or if it's at home, you just go home for the evening and relax and come back in on Saturday and play the game again and the whole cycle starts again. But uh, no, it's, a, it's like an enjoyable week and um, it's obviously very tough and you're working very hard, but you have a day off in the middle of the week, which can't be too bad. And <laughs> my, my, my girlfriend always slags me. She's like, what sort of job do you have where you don't work on a Saturday or you don't work on a, <laughs> you don't, you don't work on a Wednesday. You have half days every other day, but I have to endure. It is tough work and we never get weekends off. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot different than any normal job, but uh, it, it can be tough at times, but very enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's so funny though as well because you think oh that sounds so hard but that's only the tip of the iceberg you've then got to think of your nutrition has to be on point your sleep has to be on point your recovery there's so much that goes into performing at the level that you guys do isn't there yeah no definitely um you, you definitely sleep would be a big one um nutrition is obviously massive but i think at this stage in my career nutrition is kind of a habit and i don't really have to think too much about it i kind of not that I eat the same thing every day, but like I'd have a fair idea on what works for me and and what's healthy and what's not healthy and stuff. But um, yeah, obviously sleep is a big one. And then also just your analysis of watching opposition, which can take quite a while and watching back training sessions and stuff like all training sessions are recorded and you're expected to, well, it's, it's kind of personal, but I'd, I'd always watch back training and see what I did well and what I did wrong. And um, is there anything I need to work on for the next day? But um yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff like that that goes into it. And um, yeah, like it's not just the hours you put in on the training pitch, it's what you do outside it when you're at home and, and the sacrifices you have to make. Like maybe your mates are going out for a, a dinner on a on a Friday night and you have a game on Saturday. Um, that's probably not the best food you're going to be putting into your body the night before a game. So it's just little stuff like that that you have to kind of be aware of and there, I suppose, the sacrifices you make that, to, to be in this position. But I also understand I'm very privileged to be in this position and I want to extend my career as long as I can because uh, I'll prolong going into a normal job as long as I can because this is quite enjoyable life. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like little, little stuff like that you have to look after, but um, I suppose it becomes habit after all. Yeah. But giving all of that to it, you have to, as you say, be so motivated and and have that enjoyment that enjoyment really helps because you can't half commit to something like a professional rugby career you're just going to get you're just going to get wasted but in terms of that motivation before before we come to an end what is your what is your why what gets you out of bed every day heavy lifting in the wet in the rain what gets you uh, i suppose just that 
what I said there, like I'm, I'm, I know I'm in a privileged position, like to do what I love for a living. So many of my friends are in jobs that I hear them complaining about. They don't, they're not enjoying work. They're, um, and they can, like they, they say to me, like you are so lucky. Like I say, they say rugby for fun, or they say football for fun, and they can't believe that I'm getting paid to to, to do something I love. And I, I understand that that's the sort of position I'm in, and um. I just, I know I'm privileged to be here, but like it is obviously hard work and I know it won't last forever. So I just want to make sure I maximize my career. I can see the the joy it gives my family, my girlfriend, my friends when they see me, see me play a good game or when they see, they see me play at a high level. And I know how happy it makes them, in particular my parents. Um, they've done so much for me and they've dro- drove me to training for for years and different sessions that drove all around Ireland for matches and stuff for me when I was a kid. So just uh, see how happy it makes them when when they see me playing at a high level. Um, I think that's a big driver for me. And yeah, like I said, I know it won't last forever. So I want to make the most of it when I, while I can and um, enjoy it because um, there's probably only six, seven years left in my career. So I'll, I'll, I'm probably coming into the twilight of my career now. I want to make the most of it. So, uh, so um yeah, that's probably the big driver, but definitely like family and friends and seeing and the impact they can have on them. And I know if I give everything, it'll help, it'll make them happy. So that's that's probably the biggest one for me. That's a, that's a great reason. It's a great reason. Yeah. I asked this final question to, to all of my guests. If you could give one tip to someone listening to this podcast, looking to achieve greatness, not just in, in rugby, looking to achieve greatness like you have, what would that tip be? Um, I would say for me personally, it would be that control what you can control. I've said it a lot already in this chat, but I would say that that's a big one. And it's probably taken me up until a couple of years ago to realize that that's, that's the most important thing. Just don't worry about other people. Don't worry about whether it's in sport or school or business or whatever it is. Just don't worry about what, what other people are doing because it doesn't really have any impact on your life and on your your career or your profession so just you focus on being the best you can be and and control what you can control and um that will put you in the best position to be successful i think um i spent a lot of a lot of time worrying about other lads in my position and what they're doing but that's not going to in a rugby sense that's not going to change the coach's perception on you just what like you need to make sure that you're you're improving as a player and that's what's gonna gonna change their perception their perception so that would be my biggest piece of advice don't worry about what other people are doing just focus on yourself and try and make yourself the best best possible version of you you can be brilliant that's a great bit of advice focus on yourself and do what you can control yeah yeah. tom essentially thank you so much you've been uh you've been an absolute pleasure and you've given us a, a great insight no worries. Cheers for having me on, Ali. Sorry, I probably rambled a good bit there. <laughs> Some of them no, it's brilliant. Uh, that was brilliant. This is hopefully there's a bit of hopefully there's a bit of uh, a bit of some goodness in it for someone. <laughs> no, brilliant. Thank you very much, and uh, and good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers, oh, mate. Cheers. Season, sorry, yeah. Have a good one, mate. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, Cheers. Wow, what a brilliant episode! To overcome such adversity and maintain the self belief that you have what it takes astonishes me. You can clearly see what that mindset has done for him. Thanks again to Tom, who gave us so much detail. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you've just taken one thing that you're going to implement into your life after listening to Tom, then I'd call that a success.
Don't forget to follow the social media channels at Hurdles Podcast. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you.